4th of July, didn't really do anything. Just kind of relaxed and didn't go out in the 1000 degree heat. Yeah, we got out early today and went for a walk down the greenway and like drove out to find like the boat points. What's a boat point? Just like the boat launches down the river because we're trying to figure out the best way to go tubing in the near future. And so like the close access point you know, there's there's an access point close to our house. And then the one that's like the next one up the river from that one is closed right now. So we had to we went and like investigated the next access point up. So that's like three and a half miles of tubing down the river, which may or may not be like a wise way to spend a day. It'll be eventful whether or not it's wise or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we went and checked it out and then realized that like there's just a whole beach area there on the Noose River. And there were a bunch of like families out there grilling and doing beach stuff at the river. Like there's, you know, with sand and everything. It was very cute. And I had no idea that it was there. And it's 10 minutes from my house. So huh, that's interesting. I've never been in that area. <laughs> there's like a guy who had set up a stand and was selling like ribbon cut potato chips that he was making right there. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. The Noose River. All of my local water watering is always like one of the lakes towards uh, Chapel Hill, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is a spot in the river where it's like super shallow. Like you can walk all the way across the river. Like we we did that because we got halfway across and we're like, our car's parked on the other side. I guess we could just like keep going. Keep going. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it it really is a very like lakeish pondish kind of experience but if you take a tube and just like get going then eventually you get to our house from there basically so you just get deposited right out of the river to your house uh it's pretty close <laughs> just come walking out one day soaked i do wish that the house was just a little bit closer to the river because like i'm very close to the greenway but not quite close enough it's like a a five to 10 minute walk to get to the greenway but you have to like cross a busy road to get there and if we just didn't have to cross the busy road to get there i feel like it would just make this location so much better for me and so I, it's it's just a frustrating like you know almost got there kind of situation it's still pretty convenient it's still pretty good for you right it, it is but when i go for a walk or a run every day which yeah. i do it would be really nice if it was a little more just like a wind through this neighborhood to get there rather than like get out onto pool road and like deal with it. Risk the cars being crazy. Yes. Yeah, I get that. I hate that. No, mm -hmm. I just took it easy today. I, I rewarded myself by not doing anything and I cooked. Legit. I think that's a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then after Pia, we played a little bit of Omnath. We only got two matches in. If modern or pioneer? Okay. No, no. In in modern, the all access passes out, so now I can play with oh, the one ring. You can play ring. with the one ring now. Okay. It's also just like, you know, I I grabbed a deck from Goldfish and imported it into Magic Online, and then was like, oh, I don't need to go rent this from Mana Traders. We just can start playing it now, and it felt so much better. Are there any downsides to the all access pass? It costs twenty five dollars. That's not a downside. I mean, I mean, it's a downside right. if you don't if you have a rental service already, but it's not like. Yes, but you can pause your rental service. So that's that's what I have done. I don't know that they were planning on doing the all access pass, except that then the one ring came out and, you know, is 70 something tickets yeah, so or they're, whatever. They're still. having a bunch of like 
uh, limited events, right? Like yeah, a ton of them. yeah, that you can spend QPs on. So, you know, just try to get a bunch of Lord of the Rings into the ecosystem. And in the meantime, you can buy an all access pass to be allowed to play with the one ring. I actually love that idea. That was, it was really good when I saw that. Yeah, a, a decent solution to a recurring problem. If only it was more common. Yeah, I, I appreciate an effort to like get the cards out and also just like I, I, I wish obviously it would make the economy not make any sense and perhaps disappear. But I would love a more consistent all access pass situation i i would prefer to give my money straight to the company that is running the game that i'm trying to play than to a middleman company that is like profiting off of landlording a bunch of cards <laughs> everyone welcome to episode 299 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris castor with me is lee mcleod hey lee hello chris how's it going happy america day happy birthday america 1776 years old so good is job that... that's wait that's hold on <laughs> thing right no that's it's like it's no i think that's right i like i'm like pretty confident uh, okay okay that don't, that don't fight that, in the year this. zero jesus said and let america be and that's that was the start i i think that it was jesus who did it i mean that's why we have all the god stuff on our money and all that right it's gotta yeah be. so it was jesus and the illuminati who did it together and that's why all that stuff is there uh, yeah you don't have to tell me i've seen nicholas's cages na- national <laughs> treasure <laughs> seminal american history right there i mean i don't think you truly understand what it means to be an american unless you've uh sat down and watched all the national treasures well i don't remember the second one at all but the first one i know i've seen multiple times i don't really remember the first one at all either and also like in my brain the concept gets confused with night at the museum so for whatever reason it's a different actor different actor like it's the same concept (laughs) for a movie but yes similar spirit of just uh, yeah adjusted concepts of history used for entertainment well there's a back there's a map on the back of the declaration of independence on the first in the first national treasure yeah and in night at the museum uh teddy roosevelt has a map to the declaration of independence tattooed on his chest so that's how they're connected I don't think I've ever seen Night at the Museum. <laughs> that doesn't actually happen in Night at the Museum. That would be really weird. Anyways, we're here to talk about Magic the Gathering. Right, right. On this Magic the Gathering podcast. I won an RCQ this weekend. I figure we'll, you know, that this isn't a super lengthy topic, so we'll talk a little bit about Pioneer and Boros Pia and the how the RCQ went first, and then we'll delve into modern post Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. Congratulations on the RCQ win. Yay! How much of it do you attribute to our friend Wit bringing oh, Bon Mies? 100%. Not only the Bon Mies. Okay, so the way that this tournament worked for me was that the night before, I was like, I don't know, which which build of is it stuff should I bring to this tournament? 
And then I looked at Discord chat and I saw that our friend David had asked, like, what should I play tomorrow? And I don't remember if it was Wit or somebody who said, uh, like, red, white, exile spells. Exile cards. <laughs> exile cards. And David was like, what, what is that? Another of our friends tra- chimed up and said, it's like this deck with Pia, I think it's pretty good. And I was like, yeah, I like that deck because every time I played against it, I've been jealous of my opponent and the game actions that they're taking. And so I said, if somebody has it put together, like I will play it tomorrow on zero reps. And then Wit took that as a challenge to get the deck together because that's one of his hobbies is just like putting decks together for people. And he's very good at it. So he put the deck together for me completely. He made Bonmi's to feed everyone in our friend group who was at the tournament. So fueled by someone else's deck and a delicious Bonmi sandwich, I made it to top eight, went 4-0, double drew in, won my quarters, won my semis, and then the finals was a mirror against David, 75 cards. Uh, we battled, and he drew worse than I did. I drew Showdown of the Scalds, and uh, he didn't. And I, drew I think mostly you drew Pia every game. Yeah, I drew <laughs> Pia, didn't. and I drew removal for his Pia when he had it, and that was good enough. Yeah, I was at this RCQ, but I did not play. Yes, uh, in you have watched You're me. Not allowed to. You, <laughs> you have watched me win each of my RCQs, so I do appreciate your efforts there. Yeah, well, the one the one RCQ I won, you were off in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You didn't even send me like a cowboy picture saying that you were proud of me partner. that i was i was rooting tooting for you yeah yeah that would have been even better i only thought of it just now so i wasn't able to pull it off in time that's okay i didn't realize i held this need until just when you said it <laughs> <laughs> uh next time next time i'm in dallas while you're playing an rcq that i couldn't make it to yeah that'll come up but good job yeah good job thank you yeah dexa deck Felt very good on the day. I think a lot of my opponents were not quite ready for like an aggro deck in Pioneer because there kind of isn't one still. You know, Red White Convoke like exists, but requires a very different set of cards to engage with than a a generic aggro deck that Fatal Push is good against. And yeah, it felt really good. My first opponent went, you know, Watery Grave, Thought Sees You. And I was like, oh, you're at 16. And that's one of the first times ever in Pioneer that I've been like, oh yeah, you just like shock thoughtsies. Like that's really good for me. It it just like doesn't matter in most of the matchups in the format. This was a very fun RCQ for me to hang out at because uh, there were a lot of friends there and they were always sitting near each other. Like <laughs> Collins and Philip sat, sat next to each other every round except the last round. Which was kind of bad news for them, you know, in the latter half of the tournament. But it made it very convenient to watch their games. <laughs> and then the top four was just everyone we knew. It was, yes. The top four was was all bros. It was a very easy split to make. And three of us uh, had been fueled by Wits Bonmies that day. The judge. So we negotiate. We I, I'm at the table. I'm just like sitting down. And mm-hmm. everyone wants to split. So I'm like, all right, I'll tell the judge. And then everyone just starts their games because people are ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and Jack, the judge, comes over and is about to give the people are starting their games is about to give the speech of like, all right, we need to discuss the top four. Here's what the money breakdown will be. And 
I can see, and we've already figured out the money breakdown, and <laughs> we're all splitting. So I just tell him, yeah, everyone's good to go. We we can split. Yeah. And he just like kind of deflates a little bit and is like, oh, I, I was ready, but okay. Yes, my work here is done. Uh, I did ask him as we were sitting down for, I don't remember if it was the semis or the finals. I did ask him if he would be suspicious if I told him that I had lost my soul partition and needed to replace it with a basic land. Because um, that card's not good and should not have been in the deck at any point. I just played exactly the list that won the the challenge that weekend. And uh, yeah, soul partition should not have made it into my deck. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. There was a spot where I was like, I played against Kenny in the semis and I used it to like get a Lovestruck Beast out of the way of my attacks, knowing that he would at some point be able to just cast both Heart's Desire and the Lovestruck Beast off of it, <laughs> making things very bad for me. Yeah, that, that was really awkward. Also, playing the deck in paper, there's just way too many exile zones. Oh that my god. A, that was a problem. Yeah, I've I've like narrated this on stream multiple times when it's come up because it's so much easier to manage on Magic Online because each card tells you like how long you have left to, to, to cast it. But you know, you have different piles for each impulse effect, like the ones that end this turn and the ones that end next turn. You have an adventure zone. There may be a card exiled to a soul partition, which is different from a card that's exiled to a chain to the rocks or a leyline binding. So there's just cards like scattered all over the table. I also just kind of hate the paper experience of Chain of the Rocks. Like enchant your mountain, which is enchant never going to get blown up. To exile but another, yeah. I most of my opponents and I have been able to come to like a fine shortcutting process of just like dumping all of the oblivion ring effects and the things they exile over into one pile and then if like blowing up a mountain comes up then we sort it out when that happens but it's very difficult to do like i don't think i've ever seen a basic land get destroyed in pioneer right so you know you're fine every once in a while you do have to put the chain to the rocks on a sacred foundry though and and sweat it okay so to tell me about the deck like how'd it go what what's what's yeah what do you i mean want to talk about it I don't know. It's it's a, the mono red like prowess core. Kimono faces Kakazan, eight prowess one drops. You've got Pia as your two mana threat, and then you've got a bunch of reckless impulse effects and showdown of the scalds, bone crusher giant, and play with fire. And that's the deck. It's an aggro deck, and so it punishes stumbles pretty hard. It also kind of grinds pretty well because you have so many draw twos and you have showdown of the scalds you know it's not a completely bonkers deck or anything the impulse effects cost a pretty significant amount of mana if you stumble on your lands early on you can get pretty bogged down with just like cards that cost more mana than they really have an effect on the game and the deck also ends up with like you tend to draw too many lands ultimately like a ton of games end with you having seven, eight, nine lands in play because you have so many draw twos in your deck. So, you know, there are a bunch of spots where the deck is not the best thing in the world. But when you're hitting on all cylinders, when you're drawing well, when you start like Kumano faces Kakazan into creature and another spell or two creatures or something like that, then you just start casting impulse effects with prowess creatures in play or they kill your stuff and then you like cast an impulse effect 
leave two cards in the exile zone, untap Castapia, play two cards from the exile zone, and make Thopters. Like the the ability to grind with Pia and Showdown of the Skelds goes really nicely with the like all out aggression of the one mana cards, and then the one mana cards are very good to cast from the exile zone with your impulse effects. So the deck is strong. It's pretty cohesive. The main things that kind of suck about it are that it would be nice if the the exile effects didn't, you know, the impulse effects didn't clog you up quite so badly. Like the deck kind of has to be built the way that it is and there aren't likely to be any upgrades until they give us some sort of like one mana reckless impulse, which is a completely Ooh. broken card that they would never do or like an expressive iteration type card, which is already banned in Pioneer. So, you know, not a lot of space for upgrades. There's definitely a like blind spot in the deck where you have four play with fires and four bone crusher giants. And then a lot of times like your opponent's deck just doesn't have anything with two toughness that you can kill. And so like, yeah, you can aim it at your opponent's face, but if you're not like, like there's just a lot of times where these having eight shocks in your deck lines up pretty poorly. Like shock is not a very good card in pioneer. And I wonder what could be done to mitigate that. It's a combo card with soul scar mage basically. Yeah, kind of. And the festivities also a if out of the sideboard also a combo card with Soulscar Mage. I mean at least that one has the effect of doing, you know, the land or elf killing thing that you want it to do. Yes. I had a, a very devastating turn against my mono green opponent who went all in on like Asika's chariot, animate it with Karn to copy a token, and then have like three wolves back to block for Karn because I had and end the festivities in my exile zone, but then I also had an end the festivities in my hand, so I was able to sweep all of the wolves, deal extra damage to Karn and to my opponent, and then finish the Karn off with a prowess creature. I don't think my opponent had better lines, but the the secret end the festivities was really devastating there. Yeah, it was it was, it was nice. Uh, one one thing I will say about the like grinding ability of this deck is in the semis I watched. Uh, David played Tyler. David was on the Pia deck as well. Mm -hmm. Tyler was on blue-white control, just classic blue-white control. No Lotus Field shenanigans, just, you know, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, control there. Yeah. Tyler plays his last card with a Teferi on the board. Finally, the board is clear. It was like a supreme verdict. And asks David how many cards he has in his hand. And David just, like, picks up a hand and goes, seven. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's just seven cards to zero cards. And the control deck was the one with zero cards. Because he'd just been casting cards from the exile zone for the past, like, three turns or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, was playing the game from the exile zone. <laughs> and I, yeah. I heard that interaction. I'm like, oh, my God. What has happened? <laughs> yeah, the the ability to draw those cards. And also, you know, Blue-White really struggles with aggro decks anyways. Like, the one-mana prowess guys are just really good against the blue-white deck as it is. So that, that matchup seems tough for blue-white. The At least the Lotus version has a million Wraths and then just like a million Memory Deluges so it could get there. But I, I think yeah. regular blue-white is going to struggle. I think blue-white Lotus Field is just a garbage deck. <laughs> I, I think it's better in this matchup at least. But yeah, I struggle to recommend it generally. I, I just It just doesn't impress me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's trying to do the go big thing, but it doesn't actually handle anything well except for mono green. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, a little off topic. We can keep back going back to 
Pia. Any changes you want to try to Zach or anything like that? Other than the soul partition, which is, I assume, yeah, I assume I think gone. Cutting, like, cutting the soul partition for a 21st land, I think, makes sense. Like, I, I probably want to try, like, a couple of spike field hazards just as additional spells in, you know, like, the that 21st land slot and maybe over something else. Because th- there are a decent number of games where it's just like, I gotta hit my third land. And you're, you're, like, casting an impulse effect on two lands to just try to find the land. And it's a little awkward. And just having a little bit more, like, okay, I can cast threats this turn and play even this tapped land. And then I'll have three lands next turn. And my Reckless Impulse will be much more effective on that turn is kind of nice. So I think probably a couple of spike field Hazards make a lot of sense. And, like, yeah, if we can do something about the play with fire, I think, like, probably four play with fires is just, like, too many. I don't know if you want some number of, like, fiery impulses or something. There were just, like, a lot of three toughness creatures in play against me that I was just like, I don't know what to do about this right now. I don't have a chain to the rocks. I just have, like, a stomp and a play with fire, and I can't spend three mana on killing this right now that doesn't line up with what i have to do and also i'd be two for wanting myself so that i like just am gonna die to this graveyard trespasser or whatever yeah that makes me a little sad i guess something like rift bolt isn't legal in pioneer sure (laughs) (laughs) i guess you can't suspend from exile so it wouldn't work that well on this deck that's true it would be pretty awful in this deck and and yeah like that's the the problem with like a fiery impulse type effect, even if you do sit down and say like, you know what, it's more important for my removal spells to kill the good creatures than it is for them to be able to go face. I'll take the the hit in like the Lotus Field matchup because it's just so important. Pioneer is a pretty creature heavy format and I need to kill the good creatures. So I'll play like some fiery impulses or whatever. The problem is that revealing removal spells that our only removal spells off of impulse effects is super questionable. And at least with Chain to the Rocks, like I've cast a decent number of Chain to the Rocks as just Prowess or Pia triggers from Exile and not doing anything else, but at least you can cast it. Uh, Fiery Impulse, you just can't. And so that's tough. Yeah, it's not like you can always target your own creature and most of the time you don't want to. It's not really what you want to be doing. So... I, I don't know, but I will say that Shock sucks. It's not a good magic card. It's not well positioned in Pioneer. And if there's ever a thing that's like, oh, yeah, this is way better in the deck than Shock and like just works, then I'm then I become like pretty high on the deck. The biggest weakness of the deck was just drawing a bunch of Shocks and them being bad at the moment. Yeah, OK, cool. But yeah, those are my thoughts on that deck. I think it's good. I think it's a fine deck. I think it's reasonably positioned. And there wasn't much that I was like, oh, I really don't want to play against this. Uh, but I don't think it's like a crazy powerful pioneer deck that's going to bust up the meta or anything like that. It's just a solid deck with its own good game plan. Yep. Like as much as I knock on the the blue white field deck, it, it did have like a plan a plan and that's really yeah. like what you need to play pioneer yeah. just have a plan and cards that are good in your deck and you're, you're good to go yeah pretty much and play your deck well that's that's good too that's very helpful i mean that you should do that with every deck <laughs> yes but <laughs> so yeah to modern to modern oh so okay t- 
ton of challenges. I don't know if we want to go like challenge by challenge or just kind of start giving our takes on builds of these decks and their positioning and like what what they're up to. I, I think that the main thing is that the one ring continues to be very, very good. And that's kind of undeniable. And I'm interested in seeing now that all access has started, like if the one ring was held back at all by people just not having it and like taking living end or taking creativity or whatever into a tournament, because it was just like, I don't want to spend 300 tickets on one rings and I literally can't rent them from my rental service. So I'll just play this deck that doesn't require them. Possibly. I, <laughs> I was like scouring through the challenges looking for like the the cool the one ring decks people were trying to play like the combo merfolk deck i don't know if we ever talked <laughs> yes. about this on the podcast we did not we should mention it because it's sweet as hell yeah it's like a utopia sprawl merfolk deck that uses mara Redry and the one ring so you can just like use mara Redry to untap either your lands or your one ring to draw more merfolk to trigger your Redries again and once you have two Redries in play the game's just like over you can even win yeah. with thassa's oracle in that deck <laughs> Yeah, it, you you play Thassa's Oracle because of, if you do combo off, and, and it plays like um, Phantasmal Image, so you can get a second Rejury more easily. And then once you have two, you just, you know, cast a spell, draw 10 cards, then cast more spells and they are free or refund you mana. And then you you just cast a Thassa's Oracle and win. It's, it's really sick. It's very cool. Yeah, the One Ring is like the best Merfolk draw engine printed since uh, Svelin. And it's much better than Svelin. Yeah, way better. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. The One Ring has, to me, appeared the most impressive in the four-color deck. Just because the four-color deck is really goddamn good. So, I, I don't really have much else to say from there. Generally, like, the One Ring makes the elementals, the pitch elementals, even better. Because you just... You know, you want to do something on that one ring turn where you're spending that mana, you want to get some free mana, and since you're getting so many cards, it mitigates the cost of using the pitch elementals. You know, pretty basic stuff. I don't think anybody was surprised that, you know, pitch elementals work well with the one ring. But grief in particular has seen a real a real renaissance of play. Uh there's a ton of Racto Scam has also just become really good even though it does not play the one ring but i've also seen a lot of people playing one ring grief decks that are not racto scam you know like aspiring spike today it was playing just straight up mono black yeah. like mid-range mono black and, four drops yeah mono black four drops shieldred <laughs> the one ring grief but that becomes way more possible black mid-range is just so much better because it has orcish bowmasters now just filling that threat role like there wasn't a real cheap threat in black decks in modern there just wasn't one that you could play like Voidwalker is fine but it's a role player bowmasters is a threat and an answer to a lot of stuff at the same time and uh has made black a real color in modern once again yeah finally uh there's also another card that there, there's a few cards that have been showing up we can we can talk about the wondering because it did win all three challenges so maybe all four challenges yeah it didn't win the fourth challenge the fourth challenge was won by grixis death shadow yes that won the friday challenge but the other three challenges were all won by omnath one ring decks yeah just the classic uh omnath delighted halfling ran six all the all the good cards yeah holy crap these opening hands with delighted halfling 
you know, I've only played a couple of matches, but when you have Delighted Halfling, you're just like, nothing can go wrong here. You can kill my Delighted Halfling, and then I'm just a Ren and Six Teferi deck. And if you don't kill my Delighted Halfling, then, you know, you're dead. The worst thing about this new Omnath deck is the mirror match, because they go forever. Yeah. And running out of cards in the matchup means that both players' decks have zero cards in them, because you've just yeah. drawn them all. <laughs> And it's actually, it becomes a very different way of playing Magic, I think. You have to not just accumulate card advantage because your opponent can get that card advantage back in a way that you're unable to stop, pretty much. Like, you can Leyline Binding a one ring, but eventually they'll draw cards off of their ring. And so what you need to be doing then is not overdrawing, not discarding to hand size, making like every spell in your deck convert into value and uh yeah the games go really long but you really need to value like make every omnath a threat force them to kill every single one of them like use all of your solitudes like get as much value as you possibly can don't legend rule yourself to like cantrip with an omnath like just make them deal with your stuff and 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 don't run out of your removal spells or your threats it feels like we're getting really, really close to people main decking in Rookle the Promised End again in their four-color decks. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. I think, you know, Elish Norn can, you know, if you draw an Elish Norn early, like, that can be a breaker. Although, I think that prismatic ending in Elish Norn is a thing that happens a lot in these mirrors. So, yeah. it, it's it's not completely unworkable. And, uh, yeah, so Emrakul might be the thing. Uh, these decks all also... I've seen Bliss playing Reprieve, which is the white remand. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen much gameplay of the four color decks, but I know I see it in the deck lists and people are playing Reprieve. And is that like an answer to the one ring? Like, do you know much about it? Yeah. So the, the Reprieve is doing a few things because it's good against Living End. It's good against Living End and Living End is heavily played. And I think that is still a pretty tough matchup for the four color deck because the game one is hard like you have delighted halfling to fairy draws sometimes but not that much the size and the density of the creatures makes it much harder to keep up with just like i've pitched a solitude and this will buy me enough time to start getting to my you know omnaths into more solitudes or whatever so you know living end is a reasonable force in the metagame that having cards that are good against it is worth a lot um so good against living end it also is not exactly remand right it's not counter target spell returning to its owner's hand it's return target spell to its owner's hand so a, a ring even if cast off of a delighted halfling reprieving it stops it from happening this turn and i think that that matters it is a pretty decent card generally you know it, it works against like cavern of souls for like titan isn't really relevant i don't think titan is keeping up in this metagame i think it's very difficult to beat the one ring with amulet unless they do some pretty gnarly stuff to their deck and change their approach but yeah reprieve just generally has been kind of impressive i think there's a lot of spells that cost a bunch of mana and it is good at stopping those for a little bit yeah i've, I've only seen a couple of titan decks and all of these challenges and they're not yeah. other than playing the one ring themselves they're not mm -hmm. doing anything like out of bounds and you're not exploiting the like the the way that the other decks are exploiting the one ring like overpowers your ability to exploit the one ring like yeah you can draw a bunch of cards and make it so like yes i can i can tighten a bunch of times but then they get to solitude you a bunch of times and 
what 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 did you do even you can even like cultivator clauses but then they just run you out of threats you can't kill them through all of their solitudes and and leyline bindings and stuff yeah the the four color deck has gone back to feeling like they can never run out of cards like it did when yorian was around they don't mm-hmm. have like these clunky draws where like they can't drip off an omnath and then they solitude you and they're just like playing from the top of their deck until they draw an elishnorn they're just like right. never run out of cards anymore yeah and and this deck is pretty terrifying and we have started to see some kind of inbreeding of the metagame like response to that we've seen a little bit of a return of the blue white control deck that just splashes for ren and six and a couple of omnaths or we've seen like straight up blue white like uh honorog top aided the i think the friday challenge with just honorog like, top aided two of these challenges top aided two of these challenges he Good for him. the friday challenge and a saturday challenge with the same deck it was just a uh basically a jeskai deck uh he played omnath on one of the days and did not play omnath on the the first day so mm-hmm. all, all the most recent deck list is just like a Kahira Omnath Subtlety Solitude deck with Teferi, Time Ravelers, and Narsets. Uh, and then yep. just like control spells that you would expect Onrod to play. <laughs> Counterspell, Reprieve, Force Negation, Supreme Verdict, a bunch of the One Rings, uh, and a Cosmic Rebirth, which is a cool little... Uh, it's one of the new cards from Aftermath that I don't know if people really gave any attention to. It's a three-mana green-white spell that instant... So you gain three life and you can pick a card from your graveyard if it's a permanent card in your graveyard. If it mm-hmm. costs three or less, it goes into play. And if it doesn't, it just goes back to your hand. So that's one way to recur the one ring. And it also puts Narsets and Teferis into play at instant speed. Yeah. I mean, he's only got one copy and it's also the only green card in the deck. But there's a decent number. There's a couple of green sources that you're incentivized to get because it's a Leyline Binding deck. So it, it, right. it's fine. Um really notably is how this deck is built because it is a four copies of the one ring blue white control deck you know it's got that sort of tap out thing to it because you're just casting the one ring whenever you can and then it plays kind of the maximum number of pitch spells so two subtlety four solitude three force of negation uh you know force of negation to stop a one ring or to pass the turn after you're tapped out from your one ring and then protect yourself from whatever is you know really nice i think that this deck has a lot going on that makes sense and i think playing the card counterspell and this this sort of suite of stuff may be a good way of sort of dealing with the four colored deck which just has to you know tap all of its lands every turn and put its most expensive thing into play yeah the the counterspell aspect of this deck is what makes it <laughs> much nicer to me than the four color just sorcery pile because mm-hmm. uh, you're like pretending to have more interaction in the game narset is also really annoying for all the one ring people because you do have to devote some attention to attacking narset if you want to use your wandering yeah for sure i do like what this deck is doing it makes a lot of sense to me and may you know i think it's probably generally weaker than the four color decks against like a lot of the matchups in the field except for like living end like this is going to be better against living end than the four color deck for sure but against many of the other decks like against scam or whatever where just having this density of like cards that draw you more cards and having run in six is is important like i think you're losing percentages against a lot of the field but probably not a ton of percent and i do think that against the omnath deck like you know 
this is the superior the one ring deck in that heads up yeah i think this is also one of the decks that has the one ring in it because it's extremely strong but Mm -hmm. doesn't it's not like a fantastic deck for it like it's not going to use it as effectively as the the omnath four color deck you're just like Mm -hmm. not cranking out man at the same pace you're just using it (laughs) as watsy-intended right it's not bridging you to omnath which is kind of the crazy thing that the omnath deck does with it but Mm -hmm. you do have that density of pitch spells that i think it you know, oh, I'm not claiming the One Ring's a bad card. Don't don't get me wrong here. That's right, not right. what I'm doing for here. <laughs> but, but but I am saying you are kind of exploiting it like pretty reasonably here. Like I'm not mad about what it's doing with it. I just kind of wish this deck had slightly more of a clock. Mm-hmm. That, that's really all I all I wish it had a little better. And maybe Honor uh, recognized that between days by adding an Omnath to his deck, which did not have it the first time. <laughs> sure living end pretty present throughout the weekend but i think just getting like a little less successful each day as people adjust a little more to it that's the living end story baby that's that's just how living end works i played a league with it yesterday where i ran into just i mean just hate card after hate card i played against like a like a general ferris rakiric zoo deck where post board they had Rest in peace, unmoored ego. <laughs> unmoored Lavinia. ego in my zoo deck. <laughs> <laughs> they had Lavinia, and they had one more hate card that I I'm not remembering. But it was just like they only they only had hate cards from there. That, that's all they were doing against me was just casting hate cards, and I you know I couldn't beat it ever. Uh, they had Teferi too. They were also a Teferi deck somehow. Teferi actually makes more way more sense to me than like unmoored ego. <laughs> I, I guess, but, I you know, sure. Makes a 4-4. Four, four. And, I mean, and it may have been a sideboard card, so, which, you know, right. has a fair amount of application. But uh, also played against, like, Mono White Archon of Ameria theme deck, and that was tough. And I also, like, let myself get turn one, get my grief manatithed on turn one because I didn't even think about the card <laughs> manatith, and that did some, like, like, I think left some permanent scarring in my brain from letting that happen to me when i just could have played a breeding pool there oh yeah that's <laughs> whoops yeah i you know i just didn't think anybody was going to be casting mana tithe against me is all I did, that's when they get you cross my mind i mean yes that's the only that's when you get mana tithe. that's why it is a thing that can sometimes still happen you forget about it it happens and then you spend the next like couple of hours in recovery from it. And then every time your opponent goes turn one planes, you just like recoil. <laughs> uh, can I talk about another new card that's seeing a little bit more play? Yeah, Which absolutely. Is Sauron's Ransom. Uh, if you don't know what this is, it's like kind of like a three mana factor fiction. It's a mm-hmm. one UB instant. You pick an opponent, they look at the top four cards of your library and separate them to two piles, and one is face down. <laughs> Uh, and you get to pick which pile you get. And also the ring tempts you, if that's relevant in your deck. Uh, I've seen this card be played in some Nasif brews. Yeah, it's mostly a, a Gab Nasif special type card. But, but it did make waves and uh, challenge in one of the Through the Reach decks, one of the Goryos Through the Reach decks. I don't know mm-hmm. why it's called, I don't even know why it's called a Through the Reach deck on this called fish, because there's no Through the Reaches in this deck. It's just straight up. Gorio's Vengeance, you know, Ephemerate, Atraxa, Solitude, Grief, Bowmaster. Like, that's 
There's no yep. through the breaching. We're just putting cards into the graveyard with Tainted Indulgence or Sauron's Ransom, which is a really good card advantage. Oh, oh, the cards you don't pick go in your graveyard, so it enables your graveyard synergies. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of a side grade from Shadow Prophecy a little bit, but I, I think that that I think that is just straight up a Nassif list. I, I actually like the ring tempting you a lot because once you get the second chapter, the looting version. Yeah, then your griefs loot when they attack. Well, your or your orcish armies or your, that's or lying your, around. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is usually what it is, like the bowmaster or the army. Something is just lying around and that it actually gets to loot. You have to cast two you do Sauron's get to cast ransoms two. in order to But get it makes there. it really tempting to, no pun intended, to take to the four. second copy if oh, you, sure. if it gets revealed off the first one. Yep. Yep. No, I mean and Sauron's ransom did you know, I've caught some of Nassif's streams and the card did look totally serviceable. Like it, it was a card that he was happy to cast for three mana on his opponent's end step. And also, like, a lot of his builds involving it, like, all of his cards were instants. And so his opponent could be trying to not walk into Orcish Bowmasters or Counterspell or, Force you negation, know, yeah, or Gorio's, or even just, like, Gorio's Vengeance to whatever. And so by trying to play around those then you pass the turn and then the thief just gets to cast a three mana draw spell that enables other stuff. And it, it looked fine. It looked pretty good in that deck. Yeah. I, I This list in the challenge does not impress me mostly, but it, it did look notable that the, that deck is trying out new cards. Cause sure. I think a lot of the problems I have with it is that their enablers are just so bad. Like Tainted Indulgence is not a very good card. Yeah. And I, I think there was a point where like Nassif's build of the deck just kind of no longer included tainted indulgence i i agree that it's it's not the best it is kind of nice when you have the you know it it is an instant orcish bowmasters has flash like your two mana spells then you can cast whenever like you know there's some nice stuff going on there but yeah casting tainted indulgence is generally not the most threatening thing in the world it also kind of sucks like tainted indulgence and faithful mending both kind of suck when your opponents are playing bowmasters because those are some of the few cards in modern that aren't the wondering that just straight up draw a bunch of cards right and bowmasters is already just good like it's just a good card even if your opponent isn't really playing much stuff that reads draw a card on it and so then if they are then it it just goes completely haywire mm-hmm yeah not only did four color win each of the non-friday challenges it also just like completely dominated the first saturday challenge like first second third and fifth place like this deck is really real and it's really scary and you got to figure out how to beat it if you're going to be showing up to modern tournaments yeah and i think we're just kind of in the start of the cycle where once again the omnath decks are just the best thing to be doing and mm -hmm. people are trying to figure out okay what's what's the answer what are we doing to go over the top of it because that's usually how the in the past the four color decks have been beaten by i'm gonna do something bigger than you yep but right now people are running into the wall of wow that one ring card just really just yeah. don't run out of stuff and you so you can't really do something just bigger than the four color deck with the one ring so i think that strategies that have kind of shown up to counteract that you know Rakdos scam is reasonably heavily played and doing just fine right now which is a little weird because you think kind of think that 
like, you know, the one ring is just good against them. And it is like the one ring is often the most important card in your deck when you're playing against Racto Scam. If you're a one ring deck, and you're just trying to get to that and then stabilize from there. But the, the scam deck is pretty good at killing you pretty quickly after disrupting you a little bit. Like it's threats deal a lot of damage now, particularly because one of its threats is Orcish Bowmasters at two mana. So it's not just like I got to get a Fury into play to kill my opponent quickly. Like there's a lot of a, a draw that's like turn one grief scam you turn two Orcish Bowmasters. It's really hard to not just die to that and that that power. And, you know, even if you cast a wondering at some point. Like, that might kind of buy you a turn, but if that Bowmasters is still in play, you're going to take a bunch of extra damage. And so kind of this, like, disruption pressure angle where we're doing a reasonably big thing, but we're just doing it very quickly. Like, that's what the Rakdos scam deck and just, like, whatever grief decks people are playing are bringing to the table. And that is a way of combating it and just making it so, like, the plan of getting to a four mana spell and then going from there becomes a difficult proposition. And I think living end is kind of doing the same thing. I mean, it's also a grief deck, right? And so kind of fundamentally doing a similar thing and also just trying to put a bunch of power into play quickly before a card like the ring becomes relevant. Yeah. I think one of the things I underestimated with the Lord of the Rings set uh, and in my evaluation of the Rakdos decks were like literally just how good orcish bowmasters is because i knew it was a good card but i didn't realize the extent of how good it was and it is it just kind of blown me out in that yeah it just turns out that even if it like never triggers just like two bodies and a ping to something and then like the threat of you know if you do try to draw cards to get out of the situation it's gonna go badly for you like that's a lot of things for two with mana. flash with, with flash. flash with flash yeah and, and it's just like good against incidental card draw like teferi or mm-hmm. omnath or whatever to like making the army grow a little bigger even yeah. if the orchestra master dies like a little afterwards still yep. all value yeah no the card is nice i i think it's just breathed a lot of life into what black decks can do yeah the color black and modern <laughs> I mean, now it has two spells. It has Thoughtseize and Orcish Bowmasters. Uh, can we talk about some combo decks? Because that is something you can try mm-hmm. to combat all of the Wandering stuff with. And we do see that reflected in challenges. People are playing with Grinding Station combo decks, yep. with Yogmoth, and with uh, Hammer. Various builds of Hammer. It doesn't like, like people have really settled on what a Hammer deck should look like. There are Mono White decks in some of the earlier challenges and the Sunday challenge you start seeing more of the blue-white decks that are trying mm-hmm. to spell pierce you a bunch. Yeah. So, but the the headliner is that these decks are just trying to kill you, like, before you can really draw that many cards to get out of it. That's what they're going for. Yeah. To, again, limited success, because, the like, Grinding Station and Yangmok both did get top four in this challenge I'm looking at, uh, but Omnath did end up winning it against Grinding Station in the finals. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can have some success comboing, especially if the things you are doing are not the most vulnerable to solitude, which is why, you know, I, I do think that Hammer is just like a pretty risky proposition. Like, it's not just that the deck has the one ring in it. It's also playing Leyline Binding, Prismatic Ending, and Solitude. And mm-hmm. you're getting attacked on a lot of different sides here. And you're trying to get your creatures 
and equipment through this like storm of stuff and also trying to get that done before the ring comes down and just like fogs for a turn and then slams the door with cards and that you know it seems difficult to me to do this with hammer it seems more possible to do it with a deck like breach yeah i think breach and yogboth are more resilient in terms of like the metagame reacting to them than something like living end because mm-hmm. we've talked about living End, and it always has the same arc where people forget about it living in just like crushes everyone and gets some new cards and does really well for a while and people are like oh chalice oh, yeah. the fairy time play yeah like i i played some matches against dom and you know at that point he just had like three chalices in his sideboard and it's like all right well you know when people start doing this we start playing a different deck yeah and grinding station and yagmoth are decks that are not targeted in that way like it's not the you know chalice of the wood specifically is not that good against grinding station or whatever it's it's perfectly good but grinding station and yagmoth are never such large decks that people feel like sideboarding against them and they just win because of that mm-hmm. <laughs> or in part because of that i think they are just fundamentally good strategies as well yeah i did talk with dom a little bit and his team that he's been working with and and he have sort of concluded, you know, they picked up Yagamoth for a little bit to try it and then felt that the four color matchup was just Too tough bad. enough that it I believe it. Sense. It's just like the the boogeyman matchup that you don't want to play against. Yeah, it's and it's kind of the, you know, I and I messed this up when preparing for pioneer tournaments right where i was just like yeah you got to be ready for a rakdos and if you don't have a good rakdos matchup then what are you doing and then it turned out that being like really good against a bunch of other stuff and being slightly bad against rakdos was totally fine and like spirits ended up being like a great choice not to double down on the thing that i was wrong about but i don't know what you're doing if you show up to a modern tournament right now and you your opponent starts with delighted halfling and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm playing against four color right now. So, you know, that I, I, I think that that is true for this format, like be ready for four color. And if you're bad against it, then look in other places for, for a deck. I don't even think it's that four color specific necessarily, uh, the way it was Rakdos and pioneer. It's just, if your opponent is playing a Leyline binding, the one ring deck, mm-hmm. even if they're not playing like, you know, exactly the four color shell it's gonna be mostly the same thing it's just a giant slog of card advantage and removal and you have to be ready to deal with that yeah and i think the the most effective thing is just put pressure on them in kind of like novel and interesting ways that make it difficult to get to the one ring and the like slew of cards that you get after that and i i you know I think that's why Scam has been having the success that it has been having. I, I don't know that Scam, like, I, I think Scam is probably behind in the matchup just because, like, getting to four mana and the one ring can undo a lot of the stuff that Scam has been doing in that game. But I think that Scam has specific ways that it wins those games. That means that it can win the matchup in ways that a, a lot of decks, like, are kind of floundering to find a plan that actually works against, you know, Delighted Halfling, Prismatic Ending, Leyline Binding. Oh, yep, I got to turn four. Here's a one ring. Yeah, I'm not sure 
what to make of it. This is a, a metagame that really is going to be fully explored, I think, with the All Access Pass and now everyone having all the cards all the time. Yeah, which I'm excited about. I think that's great. Like All Access Pass exploration and then, you know, people are prepping for a Pro Tour and then the Pro Tour will happen. Like, I, I'm really into this format exploration that's about to go on. Yeah, I expect Modern to be like kind of stagnant for the next week or so. Like people will play the whatever they've been playing because the All Access Pass. Uh, I think just like the last time Yorion Four Color was really strong, mm-hmm. and the All Access Pack came out, it was everywhere because people could finally afford it. Finally, it was play over it, yeah. the, the rental limit. Yeah. Uh, so I expect a similar surge, even if the deck is not as powerful as it is represented. But I think it is still quite good. Uh, and then once we get to the Pro Tour, we'll start like really narrowing down what we should be playing in modern that's kind of what i expect to happen yeah and i i'm sure that a couple of very funky decks designed to beat up on four color that just like i haven't even thought of will pop up at the pro tour and be like kind of genius things that i just could have completely missed while looking at this format i'm excited to see those and there's a bunch of decks in these um challenges that i just scroll through and look at and i'm like i don't understand how this deck could have possibly gone five and one or six and one in this tournament Mm -hmm. like the friday challenge has a trash for treasure deck at 17th got five and one (laughs) the let me find it the one of the saturday challenges just has hard a mono green hardened scales deck in fourth place and that is very surprising to me too because it's like all right how are we we're not yeah, playing the one ring. We're just kind of competing with all the cards people are playing. That's wild to me. There's a couple of hardened scales that have popped up. I mean, hardened scales, I think, is just it, it just got such a big power level boost from the Ozolith printing. And, you know, obviously, like the card Solitude is good against this deck. But you're, you know, you're doing your hardened scale stuff. You're putting your counters onto a walking ballista. You can win games pretty quickly and kind of at instant speed. Uh I don't know. Hardened Scales is just a strong deck that I, I'm like fine with. You know, and, I, I wouldn't because, argue with somebody who wanted to register it. Yeah, I, I I like the deck a lot. But because of decks like the Hardened Scales and then this, you know, Mono Red deck and then mm-hmm. something like Mono Black Caffer, Coffers or even Merktide Regent, it's just like people are still playing decks in Modern that have good cards in them and they don't feel like they should be good against all the decks that are rising to the top. Right. But they're still in, like, the top 16 of these challenges. Yeah. Yeah, a, a Voldaren Epicure. Four copies of Voldaren Epicure in this Trash for Treasure deck. Well, see, that makes more sense to me than, you know, run, rolling up to your modern tournament and going, like, all right, who's got three scrapwork butts I can borrow? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I played wild. Voldaren Epicure in modern before. Like, it makes an artifact for Do one really mana. need this many artifact generators i to enable trash for treasure you know what probably but i'm not gonna just sit here and figure out the optimal you know number of manifold keys versus scrap work mutts to have this deck really like wow it's a oh no okay there's only one copy of underworld cookbook I, i was gonna say this is an underworld cookbook like not urza saga deck but it's it's just got one copy of the underworld cookbook i don't really know why it's there i'll be honest yeah, and I don't know if Graz Unstoppable Juggernaut is the best 8-drop 
to bring back. I guess there's the, like, you've got your Voldar and Epicure and your Goblin Engineers and your Scrapwork Mutts and you bring, ba bring back <laughs> Graz and then they're all 5-3 Juggernauts that can't be blocked by walls. Yeah, take that wall of roots. Yes, take that wall of roots. It's the only one I can think of that's being played in modern at any point. It does have four of the One Rings in it, so that's part of the explanation to how it 5-1 to this tournament. Yeah, you can even trash or treasure that away if the burden gets too high. <laughs> yeah. Reset this thing. Maybe bring back another one ring that got into the graveyard. Absolutely. Bring back another scrapwork mutt so you can double dip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And eventually you'll portal to Phyrexia them. Yeah, eventually. I'm not in any rush. When this trash or treasure deck, we were talking about this way too much, but <laughs> when this trash or treasure deck just like showed up for the first time before the one ring, I was like, man, this is really cool. Portal to, New Phyrexia, Portal to Phyrexia is such a cool card. It, it does so much card advantage in one card. Mm -hmm. uh, too bad Trash for Treasure just is garbage. <laughs> that was my, my exact <laughs> thoughts about the deck. Yeah, I mean, this deck is putting in so much work to enable Trash for Treasure by playing three Scrapwork Mutts, full, four Voldar and Epicures, and then like weird top end to bring back like Graz Unstoppable Juggernaut. It's like... If you have to spend this many slots on making it work, is is that juice worth worth the squeeze? It like can't possibly be. You can also tell it just doesn't believe in itself because it has a bunch of den of the bug bears in it, which are granted a free. It's pretty free. Free resource for a mono red deck, but mm -hmm. like it should never actually matter in the games that you're winning, right? <laughs> I mean, kind of free. Like we're. Ooh, that's we're how splashing... we. That's how we make a bunch of juggernauts. We den of the bug bear. Oh wow. Very cool. Yeah. We're, we're we're splashing haywire might off of three grove of the burn willows for crag crown pathways. We've also got a bozeju in there, so you know these den of the bugbears are only so free in this deck. Oh, this is an urza saga deck. I just missed the the urza saga yeah, at the bottom. Okay, okay. That's how you get the manifold key. Yeah, of course. Seventeenth. <laughs> it's not like modern is is shut open and shut. You can only play four color the one ring. Yeah. Well, as long as you play the one ring, then you can play whatever you want. Or Orcish Bowmaster. Yeah, Orcish Bowmaster helps too. Like Orcish Bowmaster is I think one of the big reasons why Grixis Death Shadow won the Friday challenge. Oh, one hundred percent. It's just like a lot of the thing that that deck wants. A flash threat that like it lets you get board presence. Oof. Yeah. I did play against it. And it didn't feel close. I don't know if my opponent I, I I in fact I I could tell that my opponent was not playing the deck at like optimal levels, which with Death Shadow you like have to play close to perfectly to get anywhere near the like full power level of the deck. Especially, you know, against a deck like four color where just any misstep costs you and then they start cascading in card advantage that you have no way to deal with. But the opponent draws three cards with the ring and you draw Thoughtseize for the turn. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's literally a thing that happened. Like, I got Thoughtseize when I had two of the one rings in my hand. And so they took one and then I cast the other one. And then, it, you know, there was no game to be played anymore. So you trying to play a modern challenge on stream this week? Yeah, I'll play at least one of them. Because you don't have to do RCQ prep anymore, technically. No, I don't. And that was on my calendar is like panicked last minute RCQ prep, but I don't need to do that. I don't even really need to be playing Pioneer anymore. 
So I probably should. What what uh format is Atlanta regional? I know it's not until like November oh, Atlanta or something is pioneer, like that. Of course. Atlanta is pioneer. Yeah. Great. Yeah, but it's it's really it's it's in like like four or five months, right? It's, it's in either different. November or December. Yeah. So it's I'm not too worried about now. it. Well, let's just Google it. DreamHack Atlanta. December 15th through 17th. <laughs> it's the second week of December. The third week of December. <laughs> Jeez. And you qualified before I did. You qualified like th- three weeks ago or whatever. That is and correct. So June to December. You, you literally had it's it's half the year it's like over five months from your qualification to the regionals that it qualified you for and nothing but pioneer in the meantime well that's not true i think uh mid-august starts modern season for the next rcs yeah i'm not positive on that that's completely scuttlebutt that someone said to me and i'm like i'm i'm hopeful enough to believe that i'm not even gonna look into it is it modern season or is it standard season what is it the next not. it's the next season is modern. i thought it was modern season if it's standard season i'm disappointed well we'll we'll find is out there a way is there a way relevant. to find this out can i go to like magic gg or something what's the how do you find these things out the way to find out is to post the uh incorrect one on twitter and then someone will tell you that you see that's my that's my usual go-to but nowadays elon musk limits how many people can see my tweets for uh, <laughs> like arbitrary limit so that's i don't think that's gonna work too well anymore <laughs> i i don't know if that I, I see and i can't even tell if that's happening to me i have run into the thing where i like am seeing the same tweets a bunch of times and i can't tell if like oh am i have i been locked into like are these my tweets for the day is that what's happening or is it just like twitter's server is failing i th- I think they lifted that restriction either like today or yesterday. Okay. But it for the weekend and it, well while we were at the RCQ, yeah, at it the was RCQ. certainly a thing. Cause that's a deeply like like shooting yourself in the foot type restriction. Cause Twitter is a every other app in the world, the whole thing is keep you on our app for as long as possible so we can keep showing you ads. Make this thing addictive and we want you to see as many posts as possible and as many ads as possible. So when you get to the point where you're like, uh, you can only see this many posts a day, you can only see 600 posts a day, then, you know, that's a real, like, the Titanic has hit the iceberg type situation. Oh, I tried to go to the stupid Wizards webpage to figure out what the... (laughs) the seasons are oh man you, that's a bad plan i know it but you were talking about something so this was my opportunity <laughs> <laughs> so i go to the pro tour uh page on the magic the gathering website magic.gg slash pro tour sure great then Choice. click on regional championships mm-hmm. then it tells me what the promos are from round sorry for round four, round two, 23, 24, round two promo cards taking place from September 9th to December 17th. So that's when the next season starts, uh, early September. Yep. It does not say what the format is of no, that round. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm now I Googled it. I'm it, now looking at the same page. Nor does it link to anything about it. But it has a list of all the regional uh, organizers. So I click on DreamHack's website. Well, that's not going to help you. Which is obviously garbage. It's just doesn't even come close to being any information I needed to have. 
other than when his dream hack uh it tells you when dream hack dallas is which is the last one <laughs> this is a pretty sweet regional championship promo card though the only piece of information about regional championship qualifying for pro tour four which is that it's ugin the spirit dragon if i click on dreamhack atlanta on dreamhack's website it's just a banner that says gaming 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 dreamhack atlanta 2023 December so much gaming i uh, and then it's just a gallery of pictures and no information about anything about the magic tournament so (laughs) completely useless completely useless uh i'm probably just gonna have to ask on twitter and you know fire shoes or something will tell me yeah that's a good plan we won't have that answer before the end of this podcast but uh i would like to know the answer because i want to justify like playing a bunch of modern even though i'm not qualified for this pro tour the next rcq season i'm just tweeting it right now we'll see if i get an answer before we wrap which probably is not going to be too long from now <laughs> no we're, we're getting close to it uh so it starts september 9th what format would people be playing in uh, so, yeah. i'll tech fire shoes for you know value i don't know that you're going to get an answer if you post it in question form i think that you i must, didn't tag it Kaylor you Google. must post in incorrect factual form and get corrected I, and that's I how get the internet it. i get it but like i just kind of don't want to i know and also it's very difficult to come up with the tweet that is just a statement that the the format will be this like because if i say something obviously wrong people like the next format's extended people are like ha 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 or treat it as a joke and not answer me but mm-hmm. if i just say something the problem is that I, if i can't yeah. find the information yeah, then you're I just to, spreading misinformation at that point, yeah. I have to assume that other people are not really going to know either. So yeah. if I just say that the next season is also Pioneer, people are going to be like, you know, <laughs> this makes I don't sense. like it, but it sounds reason- It sounds like that could be something Watsy does. I've, we've been playing Pioneer for approximately 900 years at this point. So Fire Shoes answered immediately and says modern. So, All right, great. Then God bless know. you, Robert Taylor. God Jeez. bless you. What a superstar. You know, he brought me a an energy drink at regionals when I was complaining about there not being any food or drink at the venue. He like immediately responded. It was like, do you want me to bring you a monster from the creator tent or whatever? And I was like, please don't go out of your way for me. But that would be nice. And then you I just did, like walked I did it over. actually see that. Yeah. So again, he didn't provide any information, like no proof or website or anything. And I'm just going to straight up trust him. I, yes. The the only trustworthy person on Magic the Gathering Twitter, so. It, it didn't have to specifically be him. I think I would trust most people who tell me a format. Yeah, but th- this is a particularly helpful person to have respond to it. Standard starts in January, which is actually what I thought it was. Okay. Because I remember, and it's so sad that this is how i remember what the seasons are <laughs> but i remember Mangucci complaining on twitter that there was three pioneer seasons in a row and when are we gonna actually have modern season and someone from watsi replied to him as like modern season should be after that after the like third pioneer season yeah but that was also many seasons ago <laughs> i thought the next one was going to be modern but i didn't have any like particular information backing that up so nice to know that it is and that this work whatever work i'm doing like won't be going to waste. i mean maybe the work is going to waste right if the the one ring gets banned after the modern pt or whatever then okay we have a different format to work on 
Yeah, but at least as long as you can all access and rent it, you don't actually have to buy the One Ring, which would be, at this point, financial ruin if it gets banned. <laughs> yes. I mean, also, yeah, don't buy the One Ring right now. It will go down over the next couple of weeks. Like, people won't really be buying it during all access, and I think that's going to really help the price cool down. <laughs> they can't ban the One Ring. It's indestructible. They, yeah, they they tried to swing the ban hammer at it, and the ban hammer like shattered like Gimli's axe. Oh, someone in the chat is, is wondered why it sounds so different because we're not at one point five times speed. <laughs> when you listen at one point five speed, my voice loses that you know pleasant heavy timber to it. But I can't tell you how to live your life. Maybe it's enhanced. I don't know the whole, you know. Yeah. I, I don't listen to things at 1.5 times speed. Speed it up and One, pitch it 1. down 1. at the same 2. time. 1.25 times speed is the most I go. And mm-hmm. whenever I listen to Rosewater, I had to dial that back to like 0. 0.9 times speed. <laughs> uh, what other decks should we talk about? I know that Max Komanowski tweeted the with the results of that modern challenge with like f- three Omnath decks in the top four that this is a Merktide player's worst nightmare. And yeah, that's it's tough out there. Both both because, you know, there's a lot of prismatic ending solitude Omnath one ring decks, but also because casting Raghavan into Orcish Bowmasters is devastating. And I think Raghavan has gotten significantly less powerful and and it's just like less of a draw right now because of the existence of orcish bowmasters and uh that's just the thing that you need to be thinking about when you're making your deck choice yeah bowmasters hurts ren and six or sorry hurts ragavan in a way that ren and six does not right you can't play around the bowmasters by dashing out your teferi or by yeah. by dashing out your ragavan yeah so you're doing it too it's fine because you, you did it first you did this to me i didn't say teferi that was all you <laughs> <laughs> Ragavan can encompass many cards. All, all cards are are variations on Ragavan. He's a good thief. Like uh, Ragavan is re- must have revealed like every card in modern nowadays. When I was playing against Dom, we had a really really interesting match where like he was hitting me with Ragavan and not clocking me fast enough, so he had to like he hit a street wraith and was like, "Yeah, I think I cast this here." And then he hit an Oliphant and was like, yeah, that gives me lethal next turn. I guess I cast this here. <laughs> but then they ended up in my graveyard, graveyard. from me casting mm-hmm. Living End. And so then when he, like, so I could Living End and it would bring back his Dothy Voidwalker, which then would allow him to Living End me back. But then my creatures that he had cast had ended up in my graveyard for that. So then I had a lethal attack on the backswing from there. That is very intricate and weird. Yeah, super weird playing? stuff. Uh, he was playing Scam because I wanted to play against it with Living End because it is a difficult matchup. And I played pretty badly against it. And I really appreciated the matches because I think I have a much better... Like, I, I never had really sat down and played against Scam before. And playing against Dothy Voidwalker kind of breaks my brain. Especially because you have this decision-making moment where you, like, grief them on turn one. And you have to decide, like... Do I want them to have this Voidwalker in play or do I want them to have it in their graveyard? And then how am I going to play the game from there? And it is really, really difficult to make that choice on turn one of the game. Dothy Voidwalker in the graveyard means they can living end you back unless you have a force of negation or you 
end of turn violent outburst for a lethal living end but you know they could mess up your planned lethal living end by putting furies in the graveyard or whatever so you have to like think about all of that death voidwalker in play means that you can then can't put more stuff into the graveyard and also if they let it sit there and it gets over its summoning sickness then they still get to living end you right back so you then get forced into this early living end and you have to be confident that like, oh, I'm going to be able to cast my living end like on turn three when this Voidwalker still has summoning sickness, you know, so I'm not going to get thought seized out of it or whatever. And so just like the amount of like forward planning you have to do is kind of mind bending. And I am still trying to figure out my heuristics for the matchup. But playing those matches was really helpful and I, I'm going to need to play more. But I thought you're an Omnath gamer now. Uh, I want to be good at, like, several modern decks, right? Yeah, that's true. But, you know, those challenges. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very likely... If I'm playing a challenge this weekend, I'm probably just registering Omnath in it. Or maybe, like, the Honorog deck. Like, that deck looks sweet. I'll certainly I actually, at least... I actually really like the Honorog deck. I think it's, it's a really, very really smart. Honorog deck. <laughs> it is a very Honorog deck. Who, you know has never met like in a legacy euro deck he didn't like so sometimes or maybe often to his detriment <laughs> oh yeah and i think he's he's the first person to admit that but no i i do i think that the build of this deck is pretty smart and i want to try it out and see if the strengths outweigh the weaknesses yeah it looks really cool i actually this was my i think probably my favorite tech from the deck dump the deck dump just like four challenges worth of decks it's a deck dump at this point yeah usually went from two challenges to four challenges and there's twice as many decks now it's just like yeah whoa listen people uh, love modern if there's one truth about magic the gathering it's people love modern they did it while uh dominari were on their slight hiatus from results so now all their shows are just going to be three hours long yes <laughs> Yeah, that's probably enough for today, unless you've got any other decks or, you know, individual cards or thoughts you want to bring up before we head out. Um, I don't think so. Like like I said, I think Modern is in a is both a state of flux and stagnancy right now. And I kind of just expect things to be shifting around rather than anything new coming out before the Pro Tour. That's like really what I see. Like I saw a tweet from aspiring spike yesterday where he's just dropping from leagues at four and oh uh and you don't <laughs> do that when you're also streaming your pro tour testing with decks people know about mm-hmm. so clearly p- people are testing decks that they do not want people to know about yeah in addition to all the ones people already know about that they're just playing just for completeness of the format right yeah for sure and i'm i'm really interested to see when is this pro tour it's barcelona right yes Back to the Magic the Gathering webpage. Let's go. Uh, July 28th to July 30th. Okay, so we got a couple of weeks, but I am really excited for this Pro Tour. I, I think their decks will pop up that you have not seen at all, and I'm like very excited to, to see what comes out. I, yeah, I am really excited for the Pro Tour, but also because I love watching modern Pro Tours. I think yeah. they are very similar to how much I enjoy watching Legacy uh despite not liking the format playing it i really enjoy watching the games (laughs) because they're always so interactive and the decks have such a good variety 
mm-hmm. and all the things are very powerful. Like watching standard sometimes it's like, okay, we're both playing with Fable the Mirror Breaker and we're attacking with like three threes for three. Yeah. And that's the format. <laughs> like even though there's nuances in between, it's not like as boring as I'm making it seem. The things you're doing in modern just like eclipse it. And modern and legacy just eclipse it totally. Yeah, you're not limited by mana in the same way in modern. You're not like guided towards the three and four mana cards in the way that you are in standard. And so the um, the like different combinations of stuff that can happen on each turn of the game are like really really varied. And also the punishes in modern are uh extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, you're not really guided towards four mana cards in modern unless Sauron created them. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you're not really guided towards four <laughs> mana cards in modern, but then like the best deck is just playing like eight four drops in it. <laughs> I still think it's not a clear best deck. I don't think we're at Yorion Yamnath levels of dominance. No, and I I think just like in the meta game that we have right now, in the like Magic Online trenches, it's the best thing to be doing. But there are adjustments that can be made you can try to sidestep this like one ring battle and also yeah the mirror is so atrocious it's miserable it's almost as bad as living end like that's a good enough reason to avoid the deck oh my god i had a living end mirror on stream where i also was like i i was playing it between rounds of the pioneer challenge and so i had over 15 minutes left before the end of the round so i was like okay i'll play one more match and then it turned out to be a living end mirror. Game one, my opponent used 24 minutes and 30 seconds of their clock. Oh, was that the match I saw where you won by your opponent timing out? I only saw the extreme end of it where your opponent literally timed out after you got to game three. Yeah. Well, I won game one and then my opponent timed out in game two. In game that two. match. Yeah. Because wow. game one, they used almost their entire clock. I mean, that makes sense, unfortunately. Living end is atrocious. You used a hefty amount of your clock too, if I recall I did. correctly. I did, but I somehow managed to time them out even though I was double queued. Because I was also playing a Pioneer match against Lotus Field at the same time, which I was like... Oh, at oh, least yeah, it was is... against Lotus Field, right? That's right. That's pretty so easily I, I condensed decision. I had a handful of plays, yeah, and, <laughs> and was able to come back to the Living End mirror for most of my time. Uh, yeah. That, that was pretty wild. I did try a couple of different versions of Living End to try to see if there's a thing that we can do to, like, break up. You know, Living End has a very specific set of interactions and things that it can do. I tried, like, Main Deck Fury to see if that makes sense, especially against Scam. I, I came out kind of thinking that it's just not the thing. You have to warp your deck a little too much. You have to cut a few of your actual cyclers, and then that lowers your density of griefs by a little bit and that's like not great because grief is so good yeah and... so that's i i've seen that multiple times in decks like furies in the main deck now mm-hmm. and i was gonna ask you about this and completely forgot until you mentioned it yeah but when i was looking at it i'm like this seems really bad to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, it's something that i didn't think was going to be great but i felt like i had to try it uh ultimately like you know, the goal is for it to be good against Rakdos. And mm-hmm. so that's what I, I did. Like, I played against Dom to see, like, is this good enough against Rakdos that then I can start seeing how much it hurts me in other matchups and try to, like, gauge that. But because 
of the way that it messes up your colors like you don't always have a red card for fury even when you like tilt your deck that way like i was playing four olivants and a couple of monstrous carabids to try to get my red count up high enough you know you don't always have a red card you don't always have double red to hard cast it when you get to five depending on how your like cyclers and fetches and your mana needs lined up on each turn and you know you don't have any other escapes for it if you can't evoke it like if you just don't have the red card then it's just stuck in your hand it can help solve voidwalker it feels like it should be a really good solution to voidwalker because they play it you kill it your fury goes to the graveyard and then when you living end you kill the fury on the way back so it's kind of a perfect solution if things line up just right and because they are also a Thoughtseize double grief you deck it felt like okay this card is just too narrow to be because they're a Thoughtseize deck and you just can't have these like really narrow things going on that require stuff to go right in your hand and on their board uh, and so because it didn't feel like it was solving scam in the way that I wanted it to there's just no way that it can possibly be right because it's it it's a detriment in other matchups and so I I am not definitely not into fury in the main deck and i struggle to think that it would be right I've, I've seen you know i know zoe was trying it in the sideboard and i've seen some other people with it in the board but it just didn't feel like it was doing the thing against scam and so i, I don't think that it's what you want to be on yeah that all tracks to me it just seems like a little too insurmountable as a deck building issue <laughs> yeah yep i i agree and i think you just want to Focus on the linear power of the deck. Keep your cycler count where it's supposed to be. Force of negation and grief are the best pieces of interaction. And when people are on hate, play a different deck. When pe- when the hate dips below whatever your threshold for what you're willing to play against, switch back to the deck and don't mess up the deck too much by doing crazy stuff to the main deck. Yeah, cool. Well, I guess modern... Or, I'm sorry. I guess magic now is just whatever you're streaming for both of us really because no rcq season <laughs> yeah I, we we both have uh banned ourselves from rcqs for the rest of the season which goes until september right until Some, that's yeah that's the start of the next one something i've complained about multiple times yep but yeah i mean i'm playing a lot of magic so you know i'll have plenty to report back with I might have to lean on you because the the new flesh and blood set I've been looking forward to is coming out next week. So that's that might be more of my energy if yeah, they actually totally get fair. their OP get gotten together. Because I haven't been playing flesh and blood for a while now because they have dropped the ball on their organized play. Oh, there was just like one pro tour this year. And mm-hmm. obviously if there's only one pro tour. There's no qualifying events for it past a certain point of year. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. So all the way down on the like competitive tournament chain, like stuff just disappears. Right. Like I'm not trying to qualify for worlds with one pro tour. It's just not gonna happen. (laughs) So sure. uh, This is a bit of a dead year for my flesh and blood play, but I'm really looking forward to just playing with some of the new cards that are coming out because I I really like some of them. Cool. No, play some flesh and blood. I'll play some magic. You know watch i'll just assign you to watch some streams and i do that all be totally fine yeah exactly (laughs) i think it's a much more efficient way of getting a lot of information about 
you know, formats anyways. Like, I watch streams constantly. I love watching games of Magic. I literally just came from a weekend where I drove to an RCQ. <laughs> just to watch your friends away. play ma- games of Magic. Yeah, I Just know. to watch everyone play Magic. Yeah, and yeah. luckily, Wit was there feeding people. Yeah. Uh, he made more sandwiches than he knew people were coming because there was going to be people like me who just showed up just to hang out. Like, well, it's extremely easy to give away sandwiches at a magic tournament. So yeah. And God bless what for that. Uh, no kidding. I, yeah, 100% of the credit for my RCQ win just go to it. So big shout out. And Kenny again, right there for you. Yep. Watching you win for the third time as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so the the thing that we figured out a while ago, which I may have talked about on the podcast, is that uh, if Kenny starts watching me, he cannot leave because him watching me, like usually I'll be doing just fine. Anytime he walks away when I'm winning, like I immediately start losing after that. So he needs to Which is a real problem when he's playing you because he can't walk away. No, and that's, that's what happened, you know, both in the Swiss and in the semis. You know, he just had to sit there and watch me. He couldn't walk away. And so once I started winning, I was, you know, just kind of going to stay that way. And if he, you know, is playing you in the match, if he just goes to the bathroom mid-match, he probably wins easily. Maybe. But there's no time for me to start losing because it's very little gameplay happens when your opponent is in the bathroom. So I don't yeah, know. I don't know exactly what the issue. rules are here. <laughs> I mean, it's all supernatural, right? So it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to, like, test the boundaries at some point. Not this RCQ season. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And uh, if Modern continues at the trend that it is going by the time we get to, you know, RCQ season, anything could happen in a matter of a couple of minutes. (laughs) That's that's true. Just tap one artifact, draw five cards. Fantastic. Sometimes, multiple times a turn. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for me. I think we've talked about enough nonsense for one day. Yeah, I think we did a real good service confirming, soft confirming what the VEX format was. <laughs> if nothing else, you've gotten that from this episode. And just how terrible the Watsi website is. I, I'm just not even going to engage on that. It's not worth not worth it. Well, cool. Nice, nice pod. Yeah, great pod. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate y'all listening. Really appreciate y'all's time. That's it for us. Have a great week. Well, do you want to plug your stream just in case people don't know? I Yeah, I guess. This podcast was recorded live on stream. So yeah, there got, we go. got a couple people still hanging out listening to it live. You're welcome to come listen to us record live on Tuesday evenings, generally. Uh, I'll you know tweet if it is different and, and post about it in the Discord. And yeah, check out the stream. I am streaming every day for the rest of the month. And, you know, give me a follow so you know when that will be. But I will also post the schedule on Twitter each week. Um, but yeah, stream's been very fun so far. We have I had Dom uh, was kind enough to stop by and play some matches on stream. And I think we're probably going to do that again this week or next week. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's a nice break from like jamming leagues or even challenges to sit down and play some focused matches with specific things that we're trying to answer and so yeah just trying to do some good practicing and get some spiky gameplay and thought processes thought processes out there on stream so yeah stop by twitch.tv ccr underscore grindcast 
Perfect. Yeah. All right, let's go. All right, bye, later, y'all. <laughs> bye. <laughs>